The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's uh, regular podcast. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And my special guest is Lenny Mendonca, Chief Hi. Business Advisor, Economic Advisor to the Governor Newsom, Director of GoBiz, which is actually what officially? It's the Governor's Office of Business and Economic Development. Great. That's okay. the I know I wouldn't remember that. I'm glad you did. And also, uh, you remember the High Speed Rail Authority. I'm, I'm the, the chair of the, the High chair. Speed Rail Authority. Okay. Um, what's the nexus between high-speed rail, the bullet train, and economic development? I mean, as you see it as the governor's season. So I, I, I'd start with, I think, the, the aspiration here is uh, a California economy that works for everyone, mm-hmm. an economy that is more inclusive, an economy that sure ensures or creates the opportunity for every Californian, no matter where they live, mm-hmm. what their ethnic background is, what their, their geographic um, mobility is to say that you have an opportunity to participate in this great thing that we all love called the California dream. Mm-hmm. And so the, the real opportunity is to do that in a way that is available for people, not just who live on the coast, where a lot of the economic boom is occurring um, in the Bay Area, in Southern California, Los Angeles and San Diego, but in the, the heartland of California. Mm-hmm. The, the Central Valley, the, the Inland Empire, and parts of the state in the east and the north that are often, as the governor described, forgotten California. And that segment, uh, talk about the bullet train now, the, that segment in the valley, the lower valley, that is still scheduled to be worked on and completed, or has that been, is there a hiatus here? Or no, the, the governor was very clear in his state of the state, okay. and we I reinforced it at the high-speed rail board meeting earlier this week that we are committed to what the voters said they wanted in California in the origins of high-speed rail, which it, and what the, the uh, funding from the federal government in yeah. both ARA and subsequent to that was, which is a viable um, high-speed activity that, that crisscrosses the state. And so, Do we still have dough from the federal government? I, I, I know uh, there was a $929 million cutoff of feds had said, and there was a suggestion that we're going to go after grants we got earlier. Is that... No, it wasn't. The, the federal government sent a letter mm-hmm. that said that they were going to um, pull some of the funding in the last grant, and we, res- we responded with what our response to that letter was, which is it's an inappropriate response. And <laughs> okay. so we're, we're waiting Not for, for the that. Capital Weekly podcast. We have a lot of that. But um, <laughs> let, let me get, say a couple more things sure. about yeah. what the importance of that, that mindset on this is, which is mm-hmm. that the the necessity of ensuring that all of California participates in the, the, the enormously attractive economy that we got mm-hmm. requires that they are connected physically. So things like transit are important, not just rail, but, but all, all kinds of means of transit. But it also in, in means that we need to have a really attractive job creation in the center part of the state. Because what we don't want to do is have all the jobs created on the coasts and people living two or two hours or more away and sitting in their cars for two hours to get to those jobs. And so part of this and the logic for um, why I'm partly involved with this as the board chair is to help think about how do we ensure that what the high-speed rail and other activity of the state does is 
be an incredibly attractive economic development tool for the center part of the state. Mm -hmm. And that if, if we have, as this gets developed, high quality jobs in the center part of the state, then we will have two-way flows, not just people living in one place and commuting to another. Is, is there an expectation um, that, a uh, realistic expectation that there will be sufficient funding to do this as we go forward? I, it seems like this is just one of the issues, there are many, many others, uh, in which the state confronts the Trump administration over something. I think there are 40 lawsuits out of there, 43 lawsuits out there and other things. Does this get caught in all the noise out there? You know, the most important thing that we need to do in California is deliver on the California dream. You can get distracted by a president and others who are caught up in political theater yeah. as opposed to actually delivering for what you're supposed to be doing. So we're focused on delivery. That's about um, ensuring that we are committed to gets delivered transparently and that we, as we do that, we are able to attract the kind of financing we need that's always been the case that's going to come from other sources outside of the state. At some point, we will have really attractive federal partners who want to partner with us, and we'll have private sector partners who want to partner with us. That's generally true for all of economic development in what needs to happen in California, and it's true for big infrastructure projects now and has always been. Okay. And um, one of your uh, jobs in your new role with the new governor is advising the governor on economic policy, on business policy. Mm -hmm. I assume looking forward in the economy, what what kind of uh, what view are you seeing over the next I don't know, year or so in California's economy? Can you take a guess? You know, there there um, we're in the longest post-war expansion now, um, and that's a great thing. We're still economy's still growing. We still have job creation. We've had over three million jobs created in California since the beginning of the Great Recession, yeah. and that's fabulous. In fact, if anything, the the housing challenge that we've got in parts of the state and then much of the state now is driven by the fact that we're creating a lot of jobs and we're not building as many houses to keep up with those. So, at at the aggregate level, we are growing, mm -hmm. and the, the the things that are within the control of the state, um, I'm really confident, and we're in a good place there's a macro economy that's uncertain. What happens in China, what happens in to um, Europe, what happens to the trade conversations, what happens to what the Federal Reserve does, those are things that you just have to factor into what's gonna happen. And, and I'm not a point prediction on the economy. I think what we need to be doing is having a mindset and an activity in the state is, that is resilient to no matter what happens. So we need to have and continue to, to encourage and, and be uh, using this recovery to generate the, the revenues that we have to invest in the things that California needs to do, including building reserves for that downturn, including paying down debt and other liabilities, including making one-time investments in things that are important like infrastructure, like, like uh, early education and expansion of the earned income tax credit. But we also need to be prepared that trees don't go to the sky. And at some point- Is anybody a little bit nervous? I mean, I know it's good and times are good. I just feel like, is it too good? Is something going to happen now? You know, the-, the Tomorrow. The, you know, I mean, I, it, something can happen any day. That's part of what's the volatility in the environment. I think the, you know, the best mindset I would have is, um, pay attention to things you can do something about and don't worry about things that you can't do anything about. And so, and be prepared for uncertainty. I'm not talking about, you know, another great recession tomorrow. I'm just talking about the economy is, is at a delicate point in time 
and that's why you see things in, in uh, at the end of the year, a lot of movement on things. You saw a lot of uncertainty in the first couple of months, partly driven by the government shutdown, mm -hmm. partly driven by political uncertainty, including geopolitical uncertainty, mm -hmm. partly driven by what's happening with the monetary actions around whether the Federal Reserve was going to raise rates or contract the money supply. All those things are all in play. And so I think anyone who tells you they've got a point point of view about where the economy is going is probably wrong. Okay. Well, California's economy is famously boom and bust. Uh, do you see the administration doing anything to address that? Or do you see that there's anything that really can be done given our tax structure and the way, way the state is financed? Um, I, I think the uh, California economy is, particularly the state budget, more volatile than the overall national economy. I mean, more volatile than the California economy, as you said, by virtue and part of the way our, our tax system works. And so the way you do things about it is what I was describing in terms of being budget resilient, which means that if you have revenues going up, you don't spend next year's revenues before you have them. And when you have attractive revenues, you put some of those aside. So we've got a very substantial rainy day fund, and we're continuing to build on that. It's not going to be enough in and of itself to withstand a major downturn of the scale that we had in 2008. But the opportunity when things are growing to, when you have a volatile revenue stream, what you do is don't take on too much debt. You pay down your debt and you build reserves for the next downturn. And then you do, to the extent that you're spending, you spend it in ways, if you can, that are one time and investments that have payback. And then when the downturn comes, you draw down reserves and you defer other things that you, can, you wouldn't have been able to invest in. That's much better than saying what we're going to do is we're going to build programs and, and expenses up at the top of the cycle, and then when it comes down, you have to cut everything. And so that's, that's what you can do in a volatile revenue enterprise, and that's what the state of California is. There's, there's a lot of discussion now, um, partly political, partly fiscal, mostly political and partly fiscal, on uh, tax issues, taxation issues. And... Uh, one of the one of the points of discussion that's coming up, I think it's actually going to be on the ballot. The Secretary of State says it's eligible in 2020 on the split roll. Um, there's income tax volatility uh, in in boom years. There's a lot of revenue capital gains. There's a lot of income tax revenue goes down in bus years, and so the budget has traditionally had some problems dealing with that tax conformity. It's all kinds of stuff. Do you have any just thoughts about generally about the tax landscape? Do you see any things that need to be changed or modified? Um, as, I, as I understand it, and the, um, that ballot proposition has qualified for the ballot, so absent some alternative that enables the proponents to pull it off the ballot, mm -hmm. it will be on the ballot in 2020. Mm -hmm. So there obviously, if that happens, there will be a major discussion around that that will happen leading up to that election. And so um, I don't know how we avoid having that kind of conversation mm -hmm. leading up to the election. And on top of that, we're in a presidential election season where people are talking about all kinds of things. So we'll see what happens. Um, uh, are there other, other than high-speed rail, are there other big factors relating to transportation that you see are inextricably intertwined with the economy, with the economic? Sure. So one that um, may not be obvious to everyone, but is extremely important, is the overall economy of California and in fact, the economy of the United States is inextricably tied to our global position. And so understanding and engaging in the connection that California in particular has to our friends and neighbors to the south, 
our friends in, in Mexico and, and Central America, our friends in, in South America, and our friends and neighbors to the north in Canada, as well as um, our, our trading partners in the east, particularly China and Southeast Asia, as well as important relationships with Europe, are really important for the California economy. And so ensuring, as the governor has said it, in partnership with the lieutenant governor, that California is, no matter what's going on in the national scene, going to be internationally relevant and play an important role in ensuring that both there is exports from California and there's inbound uh, foreign direct investment that can help the California objective. So the international part is one thing that I'm not sure people appreciate as much. And related to that, there's an incredibly important set of assets in California at the ports. Hmm. In, Long Beach and Los Angeles and San Francisco and the inland port in Stockton and Humboldt, you know, ensuring that we have a robust infrastructure in our ports that can enable that kind of commerce um, is really important and that they need to be connected to the other sets of infrastructure of transportation both um, for uh, passenger use but most importantly for freight use. And so that's a, um, an underappreciated set of infrastructure assets that are really, really important for the state's ongoing success. On the ports and on the corridors, is it possible to reach an environmental balance with the business needs and the transportation needs? It seems to come up a lot when, it, when you relate to the Port of Los Angeles, Port of Long Beach. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. No, I think um, California and, and uh, its ports are doing a very interesting job of um, understanding how um, there, it, there can be a real green deal. Mm -hmm. We're delivering on that in California, which is ensuring that the economy is robust, that trade flows, yeah. that, that product flows, and doing it in a way that is job creating and also makes the, the environment better. And so um, the Port of Los Angeles and the Port of Oakland, the Port of San Francisco and the Port of Long Beach are doing major investments in trying to ensure that you don't have trucks sitting around idling, mm -hmm. that there is, there's an efficient use of the rail system, that we are increasingly converting what we can to alternative means of energy to take carbon out of the air. And that is both a, a big challenge and an enormous economic opportunity if we do it properly. And I think while other people in other parts of the country are talking about that theoretically, we're delivering on it in California. Do you think we'll continue to be a trendsetter? I think it's accurate to say we have in the past on issues related to climate change and global warming. Is that something we're still going to be taking an international lead in, actually? Uh, unquestionably. Mm -hmm. um, but through the prior two administrations, there was a bipartisan consensus, as there is in all the rest of the world, that climate change is real and it's happening, and it's happening fast. And that is, there is going to be no backing off of that perspective from, from this administration. In fact, if anything, we're seeing that some of the effects of it um, are hitting right now, not theoretically in the future. And so ensuring that we are both but what we can do, what we can do within California, but also what we can do with our partners around other states and around the globe is extraordinarily important. And it is both a, a major a risk but it's coming, and so we both have to be prepared for it, and we also need to adapt and be resilient about it happening now. Mm -hmm. um, now we've talked about the important stuff like transportation and uh, the environment. Uh, how about the Half Moon Bay Brewery? Now, I see you described here as your co-owner, uh, Half Moon Bay Brewing Company. So how did that start out? I know you must like beer, but I mean, how did this start out? So we will, the Half Moon Bay Brewing Company will be celebrating its 20th anniversary next year. Awesome. Um, okay. I uh, 
co-founded it when I was in my prior life, and I did it um, because I loved home brewing mm -hmm. and thought it would be fun to create a place where other members of our community could come and enjoy craft beer, but have a place to have family-friendly conversations. Okay. And so it's a restaurant and brewery on the ocean uh, five minutes from oh, my that house. Sounds great. Did you have uh, those big vats of hops and... You know, people come in and do their own and do their stirring and come back and... Uh, no, we have a, 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 a fantastic brewing team uh -huh. and they do the brewing. Um, so it's not a self-production self facility, but we um, right now are out of brewing capacity. So yeah. wow. we're trying to think about wow. what's next. There was a place about two or three blocks from here a few years ago. Uh, I remember a friend of ours, mutual friend of ours, Anthony York, invited me over there one time. They were doing brewing yes. and people were coming in and it was... It was terrific. I mean, the, it was fun doing it. The beer was not actually that good, but it didn't matter, you know. You know, there were a few of those that when I started in the, uh, when we opened ours in, in one in um, Mountain View and one in San Francisco. Yeah. That were both terrific places for fun experience and teach people how to brew beer. Mm -hmm. And it's actually uh, a really fun thing to do at home. Mm -hmm. And what they, those places did have all the equipment for it. Right, right, so right, you could right. do it. And I, you know, that's helped got people to understand that you don't have to trade off quality for cost. Yeah. It's temperature control is critical, you know. And, Tem uh, temperature control and cleanliness. I mean, oh, the, yeah. You have to really make sure that you're, you have the right ingredients, that it's properly controlled, and that the entire environment is yeah. clean. Um, well, this being California, is there any desire on your part to get into wineries or, or grape growing? Or? I grew up on a, on a farm in Central California, uh -huh. so and my, many of my relatives are, are in that business. My grandfather uh, came here from the Azores and, and made wow. wine, so there Great. is a rich history of that as well. Speaking of background, uh, yours is very impressive, so, and I don't have time to go through all of it, but your BA from Harvard in economics, uh, MBA from Stanford, in um, government, public B advocacy. Business and public policy. B yeah, public. Um, and then uh, formally, now you're not currently, but formally we're uh, California Forward, Chair of California Forward. You're on Common Cause. Uh, you've kind I of was. done a little bit of everything. Um, has all this helped you right now getting used to, is this your first gig in government, an extended full-time government gig? Is this? Yes, it's the first time I've been full-time in public service. Are you surprised about any of it? I, I am energized by how how much opportunity there is to make the state great and the enthusiasm that my colleagues have to try and make that happen. It's it's uh, it is the most fun and interesting and exciting thing I've done. Cool. Well, on that happy note, we'll wind up. And uh, as far as being fun, we'll do our best to take care of that when we can. So, <laughs> okay, Lenny Madonna, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for your thank time. You. Thank, thank you. you. We'll visit with you next time around. Thank you.